Like many of you, I'm curious about several topics, and what better way to learn than to speak directly with the people who have the answers that you're looking for? My name is Costa. Welcome to Founder Views. That's what this channel is all about. You're going to hear me pick the brains of thought leaders, CEOs, politicians, and business experts about subjects that I'm thinking about or working on at any given time. From economics, business, real estate investing, Bitcoin, lifestyle, politics, and much, much more. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get started. All right, Spencer and Ashley, welcome to the Fan Views podcast. How are you guys? Great. How are you doing? Very good. Very good. So I was uh, really excited to speak to you both. Uh, I got introduced to you guys uh, from a realtor friend of mine, Matt Sloan. Uh, shout out to Matt for the intro. Uh, but love what you guys are putting out there, the content you're putting out. Um, so, you know, I, I've been very active in the real estate investing market recently. And one of the strategies that I've been paying attention to is the short term rentals of Airbnbs. Uh, so I was just hoping to really pick your brains a bit and learn from your experiences in the market and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, share your insights w- with others listening as well to provide some value. So. How's that sound? Awesome. Sounds great. Awesome. So I, I'd love to learn a bit more of, of your background, just briefly. Like, how did you guys get into investing in the first place? Like, was this always the plan, the vision, or, you know, did it just form into what it is now organically? Like, tell me a bit about the background. Sure. So, um, I bought my first property, not really knowing what I was doing. I just didn't want to live at home anymore. And I actually kind of house hacked without knowing what house hacking was, where I lived in the basement and I rented out the top three rooms. So basically I lived for free. I did that for a number of years. And then when Spencer and I met, he actually got into real estate through a buddy who was um, already in it at the time. And they flipped their first property in 2018 and put it up as a short-term rental. And they were doing insanely well. And I was like, I want in. So Spencer and I bought a property on the same street. Uh, About a year later, did the same thing, did some minor renovations, put it up as a short-term rental. Um, Liked it so much that we partnered with another friend of ours and bought a property around the corner. And that was a big, big, big reno, probably what, eight month reno into a short term rental as well. Um, Around that time, we're realizing the cash flow is amazing. We're probably never going to go back from this. But we thought, hey, we can actually run these for other people as well. Um, And that's when we started doing the short term rental management, which has grown in the last yeah, so, so we didn't, I didn't flip the first one. Uh, we used the Burr method. So we like flipped to ourselves technically. So that's how we were able to hold, hold those properties. And we, we saw the value in being able to do a cash out refinance, right? The power of uh, being able to compound that and continue the growth. Love that. Okay. So, so you both started, uh, actually, you bought your first property in 2018 as well? <clears throat> uh, mine was in 2010. Oh, okay. Okay. Do you still own that? What? We're living in it right now. Oh, you're living. Okay, nice. Yeah. Amazing. Um, so how many properties do you guys own today? We have seven now. Seven seven properties, one one apartment building. We had two apartment buildings, but we just sold it. Okay, very good. And are they all uh, on short-term rentals? Um, just the single-family residences are. Uh, the, the apartment buildings are long-term. Right, right. Okay, awesome. Okay, so... So I want to sort of like start from like learn about your process. So let's say like if you're in the market today for a new Airbnb investment short or short short term rental investment, like what are you looking for specifically? Like, you know, what is your purchase criteria? Well, I guess, you know, it kind of goes back. A lot's changed in the last three years. Uh, When we started, you could get away with putting in very basic stuff. I mean, we never did that, but people were having tremendous success with just throwing a bed, uh, you know, some some wall decor and, you know, a few supplies, not, not really thinking of like guest experience or amenities and doing really well. Now, as you mentioned earlier, it's becoming very popular and everyone is trying to put their place up as a short-term rental. So now what we look for is differentiating ourselves from 
the rest of the houses that are out there. So we're looking for unique type properties on the higher end luxury side. Uh, we're seeing the, the biggest returns there. So our, our ideal property, and it's been the, the last two properties we've purchased, have been, has been property with land, right? No real neighbors, tons of privacy, and we make it like an incredible experience. We spend a lot of money on the outside, adding in you know, higher end amenities like hot tubs, outdoor cedar, wood-burning saunas, string lights, covered, uh, covered patios with you know, luxury lounge sets and fire tables just to create that Instagrammable feel. Um, you know, and just the, obviously the inside too, renovating it to a certain standard. But we find uh, we're, we're looking for those types of unique stays in, in a very desirable location still. And we're also looking at the uh, city bylaws and seeing um, what favors or has like a licensing process in place for short term rentals. Yeah, that, that's very important for sure. So so as of now, you're would you say your main purchase criteria is the higher end uh, luxury with a lot of land, essentially? In this area, yeah. Like we're we're heavy in the Niagara area. Um, certainly, like we, we've expanded to the States a little bit. Certain areas there, you can get away with more of a, we call them C-grade properties. It depends on where you're, you're located. But here in the Niagara region, yeah, there's there's a ton of C properties. So you need to be, you know, B plus or higher if you really want to uh, generate a lot of cash flow. Okay, so, so I was going to ask you that next. So you are focusing specifically just in the Niagara region? Well, that's where we started. We're, we're, we're kind of expanding all over the place now. Like we have, we do have on the management side properties all over Canada. We just purchased two across the border in a small town called Ellicottville. Um, it's a ski resort town. They have two ski hills there, but they also have like golf courses and tons of restaurants and, and bars and stuff for the summertime as well. So we really wanted to capture the, uh, the three seasons. It's almost like a mini Collingwood. Nice. Nice. And, and why do you like Niagara? Are you guys from Niagara or like why? Yes. Do you yeah. like, oh, you are. Okay. Yeah. And it's a tourist destination. People are always going to want to come down here. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. That's, that's what I would imagine. Uh, any, any regions outside of Niagara that you're keeping an eye on? I mean, we're always looking at cottage country uh, up north in like the Muskoka's, Kawartha Lakes. That's, you know, fairly desirable, but um, we're also looking a lot in the, in the States as well. Um, so anywhere that any ski towns I find mm -hmm. do very well, just because you have multiple seasons versus just, you know, you're here, your summer bookings are, you know, extremely busy, but then it does slow down a lot in the winter. Your weekends are still good. However, you know, it's not as popular as say like a, a ski town would be. And we've had our eye on Florida for a little while. So we'll, we'll keep, keep monitoring that area. Nice. Nice. So when you're looking for, uh, your next investment do you do you usually look for something that's you know a little distressed something that's already turnkey and renovated like you know any criteria in regards to that yeah the perfect situation would be a property that is a little bit distressed and obviously you make money when you buy right so negotiating a good deal on that where you can potentially pull some or a lot of your money out of the deal before going live um, but that being said uh, there are still good turnkey properties there that are a lot easier to you know, just focus on the amenities and making the guest experience first class and and turning it into a, a good cash flow play. Yeah. So so out of the seven, so you have seven, uh, is there seven short term rentals right now or it's just seven total? Yes, it'd be six, it'd be six, six, six short term rentals. Yeah. Okay. So, so out of the six yeah. you purchased, how many of those were like distressed that you actually had to renovate? Probably. Five. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, they all needed some minor work. I guess there yeah. was like two that were, you could call them turnkey, but there were still some renovations right. completed. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, the other ones were a lot more, uh, a lot more in depth in terms of the renovation side. Okay. Nice. And so are, are all, so how many in the U.S. you said? You have two? Two. Two yeah. in the U.S.? Okay. So I, I'm, I'm curious about Niagara because I've been, you know, uh, looking at many areas. Niagara is obviously one of those that stands out because you think it's, uh, you know, it's obviously a tourist destination. People come all year round. Uh, what has your been, what has the um, like experience been uh, vacancy wise in those uh, or occupancy wise in Niagara? Like how, how often are they booked? 
Uh, so our occupancy rates usually anywhere from 50 to 60%, but we, yeah. we really don't focus on occupancy. You know, we even tell all our clients to not worry about occupancy. Like it doesn't matter what the occupancy rate is at the, at the end of the day, it's how much you make in a year. Right. So, you know, would you rather have 20 nights booked at a thousand and make $20 or, you know, multiple nights booked at 150 and make 50 grand, right. Or more. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, you know, what we've seen about a 50 to 60% when, when you price it properly. Okay. Nice. And so your marketing, yours are all like high end luxury, higher price tag. Correct. Yeah. So, okay. So you've, you've scouted the area, you know, your criteria, like, so you've purchased the property now, you know, what's the next step in the process? Like either, you know, before closing, if there's any preparations that you're doing or at closing, um, like what's next, what are you thinking about and, and, and what are you doing to, to bring that property to market? Well, I mean, the, the number one seller is, is the outdoor amenities. So we're always looking at a property with like, how can we make this an incredible outdoor experience, especially in the Niagara region, right? In the summertime, that's going to be where you're making your top dollar, you know, thousand plus per night. If you know, some places double or triple that. Um, so we want to make sure that that is, is first in mind. Obviously the inside's important. Um, but we'd rather focus right now on just making sure that we can do a lot of stuff on the outside. So if we're in like farm country and there's cisterns or wells or anything like that, we're going to make sure that those are tested and inspected that, you know, those are all things that can cause a nuisance from a, an operation side. Um, you know, cisterns being one of them, if you run out of water, that's not good. Uh, and wells, obviously you need to make sure that if you don't have treatment in the property that you need to ensure that the wells either tested and good or that you do put that in. So we're always looking for like what, scope of work needs to be done before we close. We'll try to get as many quotes as possible just to have an idea, you know, before essentially either waiving conditions or, or closing on it. So it's so a big focus uh, is the outdoors. Yeah, uh, definitely. Make it like that luxury experience. Um, yeah. What about in the winter? Uh, are, are any of your properties still attractive in the winter? Yep. Yep. Because we like to put in like the saunas, the hot tubs, um, people still come down to Niagara in the winter for yeah. like, there's the ice wine festival. There's still a bunch of things going on. And at that point too, we like to switch to um, medium term rentals, basically trying to get people who are coming down to work on the canal or at the hospital and need a place to stay for yeah. one to three months or so. Um, those tend to do really well for us. Yeah. It's all about the pricing strategy, especially in slow season. That uh, makes it more desirable for them. Being being very critical. Are are there any specific uh, bylaws or regulations in Niagara that people need to be aware of with short term rentals? Yeah, it's it's constantly evolving. To be completely honest, when we started, there was nothing except Niagara on the lake, and and I think Fort Erie. Um, now there's a bunch of different pockets that either have licensing programs in place or um, they've they've limited it. So. You know, here in St. Catharines, when we started, there was nothing in place. Now they've put a licensing pro process in place, um, albeit we don't necessarily agree with how they've set it up. So we're kind of staying away from St. Catharines. Mm. Um, but Niagara on the Lake, for example, has been pretty cut and dry for, for years. It's um, a cottage permit, so it's three bedrooms max. They're very strict on that. So you used to be able to get away with mm. oh, taking the door off and turning the fourth one into an office, but not anymore. So... You know, They'll make you take a wall down. We know that. Yeah. Which, you know, which does, you know, create, you know, some issues, I guess, because the optimal, the optimal amount for profit maximization of guests is 10 to 12, we find in this area and Niagara and the Lake limits it to eight. So, you know, you do have to be careful in your buy. You don't want to spend too much money on the purchase price just because there, there is a, I wouldn't say a ceiling, but there, there, there is a limit to how much you can bring in depending on how high end the property is. Okay. So, so three bedroom maximum, is there, um, like an occupancy limit as well? You said eight. eight. Yeah. So two per bedroom and then two for one common area. Hmm. doesn't matter if you have two common areas, two pullout couches. You know, unfortunately yeah. you can only list it for eight. There is a, there is a villa application, but that involves rezoning. And from what we've heard, we haven't tried to go through it yet, but from what we heard, it's very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that being a nightmare for sure. Um, are, are there any other regulations that stand out to you or is that the, the major yep. one? Niagara Falls. So anything that's not, um, anything that's residential, like R1, R2 technically is not allowed. However, there, there's probably over 500 
listings that operate in an R1, R2 zone. It comes down to your neighbors there. Yeah. So, I mean, it is, it is a lot of risk though, right? They, they, you can get, you can spend 50 grand in furniture and get shut down in two weeks. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. You know, it, it is risky there, but like I said, there are people that have been operating for five plus years in a residential area with no issues. So it comes down to how it's managed and, you know, how, you know, how you vet your guests and what policies and programs you have in place to avoid parties and bad people and noise complaints and things like that. Uh, anywhere in the falls that's tourism commercial or general, general commercial, you're allowed to operate. You just need to get a permit. So there, it's limited, but you can go on the, the town's website and they have the zoning map for, for all of that. So if you're, you know, working with a realtor, you can get set up in a portal in those areas specifically. Yeah. Do you have any properties like in Niagara Falls, like close to the falls? We manage properties in Niagara Falls, but we don't own any. Yeah. Got it. Got it. So when you're other than um, the, the what you're looking for in a property in terms of like big big backyard, no neighbors, just build that outdoor experience. Are you looking at anything uh, other than that in terms of, for example, uh, like amenities close by or, you know, shopping nearby or anything like that? Yeah, like you're, you're always looking to see and you put yourself in your guest shoes, right? Like if you're coming and you want to see Niagara Falls or you want to go to Niagara Lake, what do you want around you? What do you want to see? What kind of amenities would you want? Um, obviously proximity to the things that people want to see is key. However, this is still a very, um, car heavy town. So 99% of the guests that come in will have a vehicle. So then you can put in your listing. Oh, like 15 minutes from the falls, 10 minutes to the wineries. That's all still pretty achievable. Um, but yeah, we, we do look at all those things. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned, uh, uh, you know, it being very competitive now uh, seems to be the, the hot new trend uh, and differentiator and standing out. So are there any like branding or, or marketing similarities you do across all of your properties, like something that something unique that stands out where, you know, this is like this is Spencer and Ashley's property? Uh, I mean, so, so yes and no. I mean, the, the number one rule is professional photos. There's right. still probably 60% of people out there that think that their iPhone or Samsung <laughs> can take right? as good as a photo. And albeit it might not be a terrible photo. It's, it's the resolution and Airbnb's algorithm picks up on that and, and they penalize you for that okay. uh, heavily. So, and, and it's honestly what we do is we try to stage the property with the customer experience in mind. So mm -hmm. What are your selling features of the property? Where are people going to enjoy their time the most at your property? Is it outside? Is it at the kitchen? Is it in a giant living room? Is it in a home theater? And from there, you're going to work backwards and stage it, right? You're not just going to take a picture of the outdoor space. You're going to turn the string lights on, the fire table on. Yeah. You're going to take it at sunset with a glass, you know, with wine glasses at the fireplace just to really set that and capture that experience. So when people see that photo, they're instantly sitting in that chair, yeah. sipping on a glass of wine or having a morning coffee. Yeah. So that that's what really I, I find makes a difference when you're going live. The dining rooms are always um, set with the plates and everything. So people can see and like envision their family sitting around the table, eating dinner together. We also like to do a theme throughout the whole house. So that it won't be, as you walk through the house, there won't be like a pink room and then a green room and then a red room, you know, like we like to paint so it's all the same color and then have a theme. Like we have a few by um, a beach. So we have a very beach beachy theme throughout the yeah. property and it's consistent through every single room. Yeah, I love that. I, I think that's, it sounds really fun for someone with like a creative and marketing mind because it, it's it's very different compared to like a typical residential house you're, you're selling. We're just taking the pictures like here. You can actually get very creative uh, to get your listing to stand out. You're you're, you're uh, attracting a very different consumer, right? You're, you're attracting someone who's just wants a vacation, a getaway. So you got to think a little outside the box. I think that that could be really fun for anyone with a bit of a creative mine for sure it's fun but it's also very expensive and i find that we find right now a lot of people are pivoting to short-term rental from say long-term rental and those people are typically used to renovating making it a beautiful space and then leaving it alone because they're done and for us that is only phase one now you have phase two and that is massive because it costs in a three-bedroom two-bathroom home upwards of 30 to 40k 
to furnish correctly. And we find a lot of people at that point are like, this is taking too long. This is costing too much. I have an old um, table in the basement. My grandma's going to give me a couch. We'll just use all of that stuff for now. And that is where people go wrong. Uh, yeah, great segue. Cause I did want to ask you about that in terms of uh, pretty much costs to get your typical three bedroom uh, property up to speed and furnish. Like, you know, this is something that I, I can see a lot of people overlooking. Like you, you have to literally furnish the entire house. Like we're talking couches like utensils TVs mm-hmm. on the wall like every bedroom furnished paintings like there's yeah. like it, it's it's pretty crazy so so you're saying around 30 to 40 is that the typical that's minimum yeah that's absolutely minimum, minimum. I, I I don't even think that's almost attainable today depending on how small really? your place is if you have if you have a really small house maybe but you're probably spending if you're going to do it properly, 20 at least outside. If, if that That's if you already have the foundation set up, like a deck or a concrete pad or something yeah. like that. If you don't have an outdoor amenity and uh, outdoor amenities in Niagara, it's going to be tough, especially if you're buying properties at seven, eight hundred thousand dollars that are like C, C level. It, it, it's very difficult to cash flow. Like I said, three, four years ago when that property was three, four hundred grand, no problem. But, yeah. you know, the game's changed a little bit. And that's the biggest mistake we see people make. This isn't a short term get in and out with your money. We'll flip the house in a year play. You have to you have to be long term focused uh, with, you know, this is a this is a five plus year play minimally. Um, you obviously want to try to recoup your furniture cost back within like six months to the first year. That is always the goal. Um, but that being said, if you're going like for us, if you're going for a higher end property, we need to be 100% laser focused on the customer experience in mind. And if that involves putting something in there where it's like, "Mm, I don't necessarily think we're going to see an ROI on this in the first year. However, it's going to make their experience much better. They're going to leave better reviews and that's going to compound. I think by year two or three, it's going to make a difference. And that's you have to always be thinking that way, especially in today's market with how popular it's becoming. Yeah. And I can see that what you just said being another uh, important part that a lot of people getting into this overlook, like not treating this like a business and like thinking about customer support and service and like replying back on time and just being available. You know, it's 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 a business and every business you need great support, especially in competitive markets where support is a a really important differentiator. So that's um, and people think that this is passive income. Oh, we can just throw throw it up on Airbnb and we're going to make a ton of money. This is it's not passive. You'll make a ton of money, but it's active. You're actively sure. doing the work day over oh, day. Oh yeah, definitely. So, what's a what's a typical? Uh, are you are you identifying opportunities now, like with the market in that area? Yeah, we're we're always looking. I I know it's with the rates and everything now. It's making it a little bit more difficult, but that doesn't mean you can't mold a good deal. Right. I mean, it's three to four years ago, you can go on the MLS and find three to five deals that made sense and that were good. You just, you know, the hard part was deciding which one's the best out of the five. Now it's, you have to put in multiple offers, probably low ball to make the numbers fit and work just because you do want to have contingency plans. You do want to have exit strategies as, as much as you can. It's becoming harder and harder to do that. Um, but that being said, you want to have, you want to get in a deal where you have a lot of meat on the bone. You don't want to get into a deal where it's like, hey, I think I can get this to 120, 130K a year, but that's optimal. But we need to get 100 to cover, right? You don't want to get into a deal like that. You want to get in a deal to where, hey, this is projecting to do 100. If we do 80, we're still doing okay. If we do 120, well, now we're making 40 net a year, right? That's pretty good. Yeah. So that's that's kind of... That's at least what we look for, mm-hmm. just that safety net there. And obviously the big one is looking at the town and looking long term is, are they going to keep this license in place or is this going to be something that's constantly going to be amended? Is it tourism focused or is it more of a you know local community where they want people to move in and live permanently? Because that, those are all factors that we include when, when making a decision. For sure. How um, how important or how how high is the risk the regulation risk factor in terms of like a township or or a municipality changing regulation? Like, is that important like on your list of like risk? Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a risk. That's why we always have exit strategies. The town at any moment can change their bylaws, right? Yeah. Um, we 
typically go to ones that we find likely won't, like the ones that are more into tourism, say like Niagara-on-the-Lake, that doesn't have other hotels to house the millions of tourists that come down every single year. Um, so they likely won't, they might change the structure from time to time, but they likely won't abolish short-term rentals altogether. And that's why we never purchase with just one idea in mind. We're always saying, hey, if this doesn't work, we've done so many renovations, we've got the value that we could either sell at a profit or we can rent long-term for X amount of rent and we'll still cover. Yeah, that's what I was getting at too. So like in the event where any of your properties like regulation does, doesn't allow for Airbnb, are, uh, would you, do you think all of your properties you can still like rent long-term easily for good money? Absolutely. Right now we are doing some month to month as we wait for a permit here in St. Catharines and they're still getting four to five grand a month, which for us is covering. Yeah. So medium term, medium term, we can, like, I, I think our step two is medium term before we go to long term because long term obviously is, is, is not the same when they're signing a, you know, a year lease. But yeah, I think we look at definitely medium term because you can usually get double what you would get, say, from a long term yeah. side. Um. I think, I think you mentioned it a couple of times, like C, B properties, like, are, are, so can you explain like what your definition of like what that means? So C properties, probably like your average cookie cutter, 1200, 1300 square foot property that are in a big subdivision where they're all the same side by side. They probably haven't been renovated in, you know, at least 15 Forever. plus years or at all, but now you're pushing D, D class if they, if they haven't. And, you know, they have, they have issues. They don't really have anything that's super desirable. It's more, think more of like a, a student house, right? That right. turned into an Airbnb. You know, you can throw paint and flooring in, but it's still, there's still nothing there that would really like excite. Um, there's no theme yeah. in like on the inside decor. It's just a bunch of kind of furniture put in. So it, it's okay. And it's nice, but there are hundreds of okay and nice properties that you're not competing against. Okay. You can turn C's into a B though. You definitely can. Okay. So, so what, what are you looking at? Just A's? B plus to A's. Yeah. I mean, we like to buy a B and turn it into an A. So what's a, with, what's with a B? A. Describe a B. You describe a C perfectly. What's what's your description of the B? I would say it, it, it can still, you know, you can still turn that typical C property into a B. It really comes down to the, A, the renovations and B, again, the outdoor amenities. Like, is it is it set up for customer experience? Or is it just a tiny deck with a barbecue on the back? Is there a concrete pad with a gazebo, string lights, fire tables? Like you're making this very inviting where people can come, they can socialize, right? Our avatar is families that we're trying to market to. So is it inviting for a couple families to get together where they can really enjoy themselves at the property? Or is it just a place for them to sleep? I find, you know, renovating and tailoring the place to that type of guest experience will make your property go from a C to a B. Then obviously there's the renovation side, right? Does it look like a student house or does it look like a nice yeah. modern, lots of natural light, mm -hmm. you know, open air flow type property? Yeah. Is there a minimum like lot size that you're looking at? I mean, obviously, not necessarily. No, bigger the better, obviously. Less neighbors you have is always ideal. Um, you know, for multiple reasons, just privacy and, and, you know, obviously you never know yeah. who you're, who you're going to purchase next to. So. And you can make small spaces with some creativity, Definitely, a really nice space, right? So like we have a house that doesn't have a big backyard, but we created a nice, um, almost like privacy wall with some, and put up some of that like fake plants and put up like a neon sign and boom, that's something that our guests can now take pictures against. It's something Instagrammable and nice. We put up, we extended the deck, put up a gazebo, fire table, et cetera. Yeah. It's not a big backyard, but you can do some creative things with it. Mm -hmm. Do you have any properties uh, that you own that are in just like a, you know, a nice subdivision, bigger lots, anything like that? I mean, that, yeah. that, the one that you just mentioned, uh, there, we have, we had three on the same street and they're all house by house by house by house. Um, it's just again, what we did with the backyard space. So that one she mentioned that we have one around the corner where we put a outdoor sauna, covered patio, big, uh, big luxury lounge set with string lights. 
So it really creates that comfortable, inviting feel. They're also near a very desirable um, attraction, which is a beach. Yeah. So when you purchase homes like that, you also take into account their location and their location is insane. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. That's awesome. So you've, you've accumulated all these properties since 2018, basically? Yes. Nice. Amazing. Any deals on the go right now? Oh, we just, we just purchased one with a partner, what, four months ago? Yeah. Uh, in Niagara on the Lake. Um, and it's pretty much ready to go. We just submitted the application. We're just in yeah. the process of furnishing. We just had a deep clean literally yesterday. Awesome. So we're excited to take that one live because we did a similar one last year and it's probably going to be number two or maybe, maybe number one grossing income property in Niagara on the lake. One's going to be tough. We're competing against a very nice waterfront property, but it's, uh, it did okay. extremely well. And this one has all the similar features of, of the last one. So we're, we're excited to go live with it. Nice. That sounds exciting. Are, are most of the properties you, you own like with partners or are you just doing just the two of you? Most yeah. are with partners now. Yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to talk about, uh, and you alluded to it, just about the ongoing maintenance of the properties and like the fact that it's very active, like you said. And, and that always seems to be a common point against Airbnb investing from other investors is the maintenance and wear and tear of the properties. But I, I had another Airbnb investor on my podcast. And for them, the experience is totally the opposite. Very passive, turnkey, because they use a property management company that literally takes care of everything like he doesn't even go to the unit at all so talk to me about the the maintenance the ongoing maintenance from from your perspective there's definitely ongoing maintenance um we have someone go in um once in the spring once in the fall and they'll do like all the main checks like check the ac check the furnace change the filters um go through the property and kind of like change all the light bulbs etc but yes there's definitely some maintenance uh, things definitely more than like a, a normal house. Say how often? Yeah, I, I mean it really depends on on how you set the house up too, right? Yeah. A lot of <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of people go live and they leave a lot of stuff on the table, so they're they're constantly having to update it throughout the the year. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you can make it hands off. That's why we we formed our property management company to do that. We deal with a ton of investors. Um, from all over the place, you know, we've got over 60, 60 properties that we manage across Canada um, to, you know, to help make it more hands off. But at the end of the day, systems equals freedom, right? So we, we do have systems for literally everything. We have yeah. automated messages. If there's something that we had to do more than once, we create a system for it. We try to have key people in place. So if there's any issue, someone needs to run out to the property that they're, that they're available and we have multiple backups and we pay them for their time to go and do that. And the key is to have fail safes at the property. So multiple lock boxes, multiple backup propane tanks or any supplies. So that way, anything, we try to make sure that everything can be troubleshooted from anywhere in the world. Yeah. So that way when you hire VAs or hire someone or a manager to take over, everything can be done seamlessly with the guest experience in mind, right? They don't need to wait two hours for someone to come to the property. You know, unless it's a maintenance thing, they can probably troubleshoot it within five to 10 minutes. And after all these maintenance things too, our clients and us are still making money way more than we would as a long-term rental. Yeah, for sure. So it's see, is it a fair to assume that, that you guys are more of the investors that kind of enjoy being active and more hands-on or, or no? Yeah. Um, no, <laughs> we still, we travel a lot. So we our, like to get yeah. them set up. Yeah. yeah. So I think we're more starting to be more in tune with creating systems just because, you know, we went away to Europe for five weeks this summer and we were able to run the business fairly smoothly, you know, working minimal hours a day. And to us, that was like our first test pilot of like, okay, the system's in place good. And if there were any areas of improvement, we, we can make those improvements and now it's just okay let's keep scaling let's keep growing because these systems are working and whenever we run into a hiccup or a bottleneck down the road we're going to create more systems so that's kind of what we're focused on now amazing so is it is it safe to assume then you mentioned you work with a lot of investors for an investor to be to buy you know go through the process buy the short-term rental and for the investor to be hands-off like are you taking care of all the in-between 
Yeah, yeah invest, investors are our ideal client, to be completely honest. Like we we want to work with people that are focused strictly on ROI. Mm -hmm. We've we've had a lot of people in the past that it was more like their second home and they become a lot more micro involved with decisions, yet, you know, no offense to them. I get it, they're excited, they're passionate, but where they hurt themselves is that become they, they become too involved and they don't know how short-term rentals work, where it almost handcuffs us, which handcuffs the results of the property. So, you know, they're, they're not seeing things the way they envisioned it, or we know we need to do certain things to get it to a result, but mm -hmm. to them, they're either impatient or they don't understand why we're doing it. And, and they tend to be hyper-focused on yeah. occupancy as well. Yeah. Which is yeah. not a strategy that we, we do, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, it's like, all right, like I said, investors, they just, most investors care about, you know, what's the bottom line? What are we making at the end of the year? They don't really yeah. care how they get there. I think it, like investing is is honestly very easy like it's it's truly just a numbers game like right i mean it's it is. obviously yeah. you're making, you know your assumptions along the way which you know that could vary between investor to investor but at the end of the day you have your thesis your assumptions and it's numbers it's it's uh, yeah and, when, and that's it and when you get emotions involved that's when you get hurt and we see that happen a lot even with you know, clients we've worked with. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you guys help with the, the purchase of the properties as well? Are either of you like realtors or? We're not realtors, no. but we have a lot of contacts. So if people come to us and say they're looking to purchase, we, we can give them our contacts. Yeah. And we, and we give guidance. Like if we think like if someone brings the property in an R1 zoning in Niagara Falls, we're going to tell them right off the bat, like, this is where you're buying. It's not permitted. It's, it's up yeah. to you whether you want to take the risk, but there's big risk. Yeah. On average, what are the annual, like, maintenance costs of properties if you have to ballpark well it really depends on what you're factoring in because there's 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 obviously your general capex renovation like repairs that you need to do but then there's also cleaning costs that you have to factor in and then i would say you know a uh, four to five bedroom you're looking at about and you're from eight to ten thousand a year in cleaning which you you charge a cleaning fee back to the guests so a lot of it it gets offset by that however you still have to pay that um, general, like lawn care, snow removal, it's probably no different than if you were to yeah. do like a long term. So, um, I don't know, like maybe thousand, two thousand a year for that. And then your, your, any like small repairs and stuff, we, we usually bill out at, you know, 25 to 35 bucks an hour. Yeah. Um, and that varies. Yeah, it varies. Obviously the, the major stuff comes up, you need a new roof or, you know, hot water tank goes or something like that. It's going to increase, but just. It's not, I wouldn't say it like too, too crazy. There's nothing too significant over like a typical house that you live in. No. no. I mean, once in a while you get, you know, things that get damaged or go missing. You do, you know, you do your best to, everybody's pretty good. You do your best to put in a claim and usually like a good guess if they break something, they're telling you before you have to find out just because they, you know, it's review based. They don't want a bad review. They don't want us giving them a bad review, just like we want a good review ourselves. So a lot of the times we can just submit a claim and they'll pay for it. So, you know, small things do go missing though. You're going to have to replace towels and linens. Things get stained that you can't take out. And there are things you have to take into consideration, like dishwashers are getting run more than they would at a normal home. Right. Um, so they tend to go a little a little faster. Those are just things you have to take into consideration. They're all part of the Airbnb or short-term rental world. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Um, so I want to talk about the numbers a bit. Like, do you share like finance? Like, what's your highest grossing property that you have? Um, I'd say we have two that are pretty close. We have the one in Niagara Lake is going to push 200 gross, pretty close, like 180 to 200, probably depending, like we still have, we still have a lot of inventory available, um, for the back half. Of and December does really well. Yeah. December, like we went live in December with this last year and we did, I think we did over 10 grand as a first month and that's with 20% discounts on the first three bookings. So I, I'm expecting that to be a pretty good month. Um, and then our one in the States, we, we purchased one that's probably going to do close to like 130, 140 US. Um, so that, again, those are like our two higher end properties that we have, you know, and, and from there, like, I, I still think we could push the ceiling on it, but those are, yeah, those are probably our top grossing ones so far. That's and amazing. from a net perspective, that one in Niagara and the Lakes, probably going to average out to four or five grand net per month in cash flow. 
Oh, because that's what I was going to ask. You're net on that 180 to 200, you're netting around four to five per month. Probably closer to five. On yeah. average. Yeah. Nice. Obviously, it comes in waves, right? And like you make the bulk of your money between June yeah. through to September, October, and then it kind of starts yeah. to dwindle out from yeah. there. Yeah. Like July, we cash flowed $27,000. Yeah. <laughs> technically. Yeah. But when you Actually, annualize it, the average is around five. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Amazing. And what about like lowest grossing or net properties you have? Ones we own, lowest would probably be around 70000 Okay. Mind you, this is a property we purchased three years ago. Mm -hmm. So our covering cost is very low. I think it's like 2100 or 2200 uh -huh, yeah. Let's call it 2500 with expenses. So, I mean, you can do the math. It's, it's, still, very, it's still very profitable. Um, but yeah, again, that's where you got to be you know, careful buying properties now at eight, nine hundred grand because that's what that property would go for probably now. Yeah. So are you, so your purchase price then, like for you, the numbers to work out, like in Niagara, like you got to be in around like the 700 mark? Niagara the Lake, no, you could be like yeah. one to 1. 1.3 and still really make the numbers work. You have to put in the either the renovations to make it look nice. And then obviously the outdoor space is going to kind of make or break you there. But yeah, we can still make the numbers work at that amount. At the one to 1.3 purchase price. Assuming that you have yard, a yard and you're like in Niagara Lake so they can look out the windows and see like trees and vineyards and stuff. I'd yeah, say you yes. can probably go a little bit higher if you're doing waterfront, but... Oh, yeah. With Niagara on the lake, you have to be careful because most of the waterfront properties are on a fire lane and you are not allowed to get a permit on a fire lane since it's private. So it's very limited inventory for waterfront. And a lot of the ones that do go on are 2.5, 3 million. Yeah. You know, it's tough out of three bedroom. If you can somehow get a villa permit and go four or five bedrooms, now you're opening up a whole new whole new door. Mm -hmm. They also don't allow um, for uh, semis to or townhomes yeah. to be licensed. Okay. Oh, so no semis or townhomes. Okay. No. Got it. Uh, tell me a bit about your, your uh, property maintenance or management company. Like, what do you guys do? What do you offer? And like, what do you charge for the service? Yeah. So, so that, that got started, be, like Ashley mentioned earlier, we, we had systems in place. We knew that we could scale faster and we knew that we could help investors do it that didn't want to be in the weeds of it, right? They didn't, they didn't, it's a lot of work as I think, you know, everyone knows that you're in the hospitality industry. So you're getting inconvenienced on a Friday night at dinner at seven o'clock all the time. Okay. Um, so yeah, what we do is just try to create that hands-off approach for investors. So essentially once they have a property, we have a very, very firm standardized list of uh, criteria, I should say, of what we need to have at the property once you know they're they're still responsible for for getting that we do offer we do work with other like designers and we do have services where they can pay for it and we can get it done for them um but once everything's ready to go we have a professional photographer that comes in takes photos you know we get the listing live we optimize it and we essentially run it for them so we deal with all the day-to-day -day operations any guest issues we take care of all the cleaning um, we obviously are constantly going to be reviewing it and looking at making updates and improvements as we, as we go along, Pricing. we price everything for them. So essentially, you know, they don't, they don't have to run it at the end of the day. Like we just, like I said, our, our ideal client is an investor and, you know, our focus is ROI just as much as theirs. And we yeah. also set a threshold for maintenance items or things that we can make decisions on. So anything under say $500, a lot of times we have the ability to just go and fix it and kind of tell people or tell our mm -hmm. clients later. So that's creates way more of a hands-off approach for yeah. them. And we charge 20 to 25% of gross rents too. Right. I know you asked that. Sorry, yeah. I forgot to answer. Okay. So, so, so you guys do also offer the service of designing a property and doing all that? Did we I... put people in touch with other okay. interior designers. Yeah. That We're we par know. We've partnered with a few. We don't, we don't design them ourselves. We're not like a general contractor. We just, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. we work with people that we like and we know does really good work. You know, so basically people that we, we have and would hire for our own properties. Yeah. Makes sense. So, and, and you're doing, you're doing everything from uh, adjusting the pricing uh, depending on peak and low and, and the, the client or the guest communication, if there's issues yes. like, everything. dealing with that. 
Um, yeah. how, how big's your team to manage all this? Like obviously, when you're on vacation, I'm assuming you're using VAs for communication and stuff like that. Is that so? There's four of us that co-founded. It's called Travel X Property Management. Um, we have boots on the ground in each of the areas that we operate in. So in Niagara, we have a property manager and she's the one who takes care of all the guest communications, um, dispatch speaks to cleaners, dispatches maintenance as needed, all of that fun stuff. We same thing out um, in uh, Nova Scotia. We have someone in BC, Alberta, and then up north as well. Amazing. So do you uh, visit those places as well? Frequently yourself? We, we haven't. We tr we try to, but again, like it's it's kind of like you know it sounds bad we haven't, but I'd also look at it as like it's it's a good thing because the systems we put in place yeah. have worked, yeah. right? Like I we haven't been we have over fifteen properties in BC and we haven't been to one wow. of them, right? That's so nice. it's 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 kind of it's kind of a nice thing. Eventually we will we are gonna plan a trip out there to maybe do like a tour to see them, but again it's it's hiring good people, finding good people to work with, mm -hmm. and then just implementing the systems that we found worked. And our goal for us is is time freedom, right? Like Spencer said before, we're avid travelers. Um, we both recently left our corporate jobs within the last year, and we're looking to just get out and travel. And we wanted something that would sustain itself, whether we were here or in Bali or in Spain or in Colombia. It didn't really matter where we are, and the business can continue running. I love it. Good for you guys. I love Thank what you're you. doing. Um, last thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, the, the purchasing experience in the U S uh, what was that like? Any, you know, technicalities, licenses you need that the fact that you're Canadian. Well, where we purchased since it was just over the border, they actually get a lot of Canadians. Like I would say probably a large percentage of the properties owned in Ellicottville are, are Canadian owned. So a lot of bigger banks that have. Um, offices in the States like TD, for example, they can do cross-border banking. So we you can get mortgages through them. We got 80% loan to value on, on those properties. Um, it was definitely more of, uh, that's what I'm looking for. Um, more of a pain. It took a lot longer, uh, just because a, they don't, they don't, it's slow here in Canada, but it's even slower in the States. Mm -hmm. They take a long time. You're constantly updating, you know, you're, I think we had to send in our, uh, statement of accounts probably three times because oh, yeah. it kept lapsing and they needed updated ones just because it's, I guess that's the way it is there. Um, but they were pretty flexible on closing. Like I know here, if once you waive conditions, you have to close on that certain date. I guess they're like, from our experience, as long as we were proving we were acting in good faith, we, the extension was easy to get. So, yeah, you know, was weird. For, looking back at it now, it wasn't that bad, but during obviously it was quite stressful. Um, and then obviously it's just the conversion of Canadian to us funds, but yeah. you know, we, we really like, uh, it's a true 30 year mortgage there, which is fantastic. So our numbers are predictable. So all in all, it's this exact same process. In fact, other than like you're, you're buying across an imaginary line and you still need the same, you need a bank, a mortgage yeah. a broker, like there's nothing different that compared to here. There's one other thing. Um, do you want to talk about the I-10? Yeah. So we were able to, like Spencer said, get a mortgage over there because it, they work with so many Canadians, but it's not the same if you're, you're basically anywhere else. Um, you'll, you would need, as a Canadian, you would need your I-10. Um, it's a tax number. It's your tax number. And, or you'll be putting about 40% down. Okay. And how do you get and, that I-10? Yeah. So essentially, so... What happens is if you, if you don't have your ITIN, uh, even with Airbnb, and we, we saw this last year, is the IRS withholds 30% of all Airbnb payouts until you get that ITIN. So at the end of the year, you can go and file. They Just, just because you're a foreign investor, they want to make sure that you're not coming in and out and running away with you know yeah. the US dollars. So you do have to factor that in when purchasing in the States is if you don't have your ITIN, you know, from a short-term rental perspective, expect 30% to come off the top until, you know, tax time at the end of the year when you can, you'll get a lot of it back. And you can get your ITIN anytime you need to file taxes in the US. So anytime you would need, say you went to the casino and you made 20 bucks, technically that's earnings and you need to file taxes to in the US, you can kind of start that process at that point. And she just gave you the golden ticket there. It's not hard to get. It's just a process. <laughs> it, it's, it's a long process. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, so did you get it before you purchased or after? We didn't, no. 
No, we didn't. We learned, we learned the hard way. Yeah. So do they like, so money in your bank account, if you don't have the ITIN, like the bank is, is freezing the funds. Is that how it works? No. The, so, so what happens with an Airbnb payout is essentially after the guest stays, they release the payout. So if it's for three grand, right. Or a thousand bucks, they release the funds essentially a day or two after they check in. So that normally here in Canada goes directly to your bank account. What happens in the States, if you don't have your ITIN is they release the funds, but they release 30% to the IRS and 70% to your oh, bank wow. account until you have your ITIN because hmm. basically it's a trust thing. They don't trust you until they know that you're set up properly where they can now trust you. Yeah. So you want to have your ITIN basically. You don't want to start dealing with IRS and all that. No, no, definitely not. I mean, at the end of the day, you can, you know, we still got in and it worked out fine. Um, but if you're, if you're buying a property where, you know, you're not going to be able to cover with only 70% of its revenue potential, that's where it can become worrisome. Yeah. Yeah. And that just helps with buying power in general. If you're not buying like right across the board, you want to buy in, I don't know, Arizona or Florida, then it'll help with your buying power and not having to put 40% down. Yeah. And you can set up like a C Corp. We set up a C Corp for Florida. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that there's definitely advantages liability wise as well from there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Nice. So pretty much just the ITIN is the main difference, something you, you need to look at if you're buying in the U.S. and uh, it seems like uh, buying through a corporation might be worth looking at as well for the liability purpose. Any other benefit of buying through a corp? Uh, I mean, for us, it's liability. Yeah, That's what our decision is, but everyone can should um, talk to their accountant and see what works best for yeah, them. Yeah, there's there's definitely d different tax strategies and tax yeah, advantages through sure. a corp as well. You know, depending on your current personal income situation. Because at the end of the day, if it's owned personally, you're going to get taxed there and then you're going to get taxed in yeah. Canada. Like they're not just going to let it slide. If you even if you're in a state that has very low, you know, state tax, it doesn't matter. It's still going to come back to Canada if it's not in a court. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Well, um, so if someone wanted to learn more, uh, reach out, where's the best place they can find you? Instagram, we're very active on um, just at Spencer and Ashley. Our property management company is also on Instagram at TravelX Property Management. Travel Edge, you said? Travel Lux. Oh, Travel Lux. Sorry about that. Yes. I'll put that all in the notes. And yeah, highly recommend anyone listening, give Spencer and Ashley a follow. Uh, great follow, great content, great information you guys put out. Um, thanks so much. I'm, I'm really glad we were able to connect. This was very informative, insightful, and and very helpful to me and I'm sure to others that will be listening. So I really appreciate the time and uh, we should definitely stay in touch and, and be connected. Absolutely. Absolutely. Our pleasure. Thanks for having us. All right. Thanks again. And we'll chat soon. Sounds good. All right.